You're listening to Drawn to a Deeper Story. I'm Kath Brew from DrawnToStory.com. I'm an artist who illustrates and educates about marginalised experiences for positive change, with a particular interest in identity, belonging and expat life. This podcast is about lives that challenge us and the difficult conversations around them. It's a place to listen openly, to absorb people's truths and to learn how to show up differently for the benefit of everyone. And that's you included. Today's episode is the last in this first series. Don't worry, we'll be back early next year. But today is the last in the series. And if you've been listening all the way through, you will know that we've looked at eight different lives that are all challenging in their own ways, to the individuals themselves, but also to the people that they encounter. That unexpected moment when they're on the receiving end of people's shitty banal unfunny or awkward reactions and actually I have to correct myself I say unexpected but it's only unexpected to the other person the person on the receiving end is often unfortunately used to hearing these kinds of comments hence actually the whole reason for this podcast to try and create a sense of a a bridge or a sense of cohesion and and unity for people And so now that you've heard some of these stories, I wanted to conclude the series with something more practical, a how-to. How do we deal with these unexpected moments? How do we be present with someone when they tell us something that we don't know what to do with? How do we respond when we don't know how to react? I know you know all of these scenarios, and I know you know because I know them too, those unfortunate moments when you just want to style it out but you end up firmly with your foot in your mouth, wishing the ground would envelop you or that you could press the undo button. And so I've brought back Mandy Preece, who spoke to us about her awful experiences of menopause. Mandy Preece is founder of an award-winning communications training called Being Rock. Her work is astonishing. Listening to people at the end of life shaped her understanding of what it means to listen, to actually listen so that people feel heard. And she delivers training to all sorts of organizations, including the NHS, which for expats who don't know is uh, the National Health Service here in the UK, to colleges, to schools, charities, and also within the community. And she was also fantastically the NHS Unsung Hero Volunteer of the Year in 2019. And her book, Being Rock, was published in 2020. So without further ado, welcome Mandy to Drawn to a Deeper Story. Thank you so much, Kath. It's lovely to be back. I'm grateful to have you back and feel really privileged to be able to present a practical thing because I know hearing all these stories is one thing and it's wonderful to start to realise that there's all these other types of lives out there. But it's like, what do we do? What do we do in those moments? So it's wonderful to have you. So how? I'm going to go straight in. How is being rock? different to any other kind of listening it came from experience Kath if I perhaps give you the scenario of Mm -hmm. how it it came about so I was volunteering as an end-of-life companion in hospice I was going around asking people if they wanted my company and what was happening is we were going from chit-chat and me sort of cleaning tabletops and finding tv remotes and that sort of Mm -hmm. thing to suddenly then dropping something quite significant into the Mm. conversation, sometimes very, very huge things, huge Mm. things, a bit like some of your podcasts, you know. 
and would always catch me completely unawares. And I actually think sometimes completely unawares for them as well. It was like they just suddenly were so full of needing to talk. It would just suddenly come out. Mm, surprising themselves. Exactly. And what was happening is I was responding to that with active listening. So mm. I was making sure I was making eye contact. I was becoming aware of my body language. I was leaning mm. forward and it wasn't really working. Mm. And um, after many nights of sort of sitting in my car after my shift, banging my head against the steering wheel, I decided mm. to let the people I sat with and the families I was sitting with teach me what mm. it means to be alongside someone in difficult situations. Yeah. As a non-professional, I think this is really important. You know, I'm not in the realm of expected listening. I'm not turning up at the bedside and they're expecting me to mm -hmm. make something okay or to talk to them one-to-one. -one and we know that that's arranged and yeah. I have a role. It, yeah. it was completely unexpected listening. Mm -hmm. So therefore, the listening had to be completely different. Mm -hmm. And actually, the listening is what we probably would call community listening. We do it every day. Mm. The problem is we do it every day, but we don't always get it right. And the more challenging somebody's problems are, the less likely we are to get it right. Is that because we get in the way of it ourselves? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Hugely because we get in the way of it. Can I just say this is really important for the podcast is I was making all those mistakes. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not coming on here and saying, oh, I know how to do it. I'm perfect. <laughs> I'm coming on saying... I too have failed yeah. many times yeah. and through that failure I realised that we do need to get ourselves out of the way and therefore how to do that and why we need to do that, mm. why it works if we get ourselves out of the way. So when you were talking to these people you commented that you realised you were doing it wrongly, it wasn't working. How did you know it wasn't working? What were the cues that made you realise that it wasn't working? Um, so they'd start to disengage or they'd look down or they'd look away or they'd do like fake yawning <laughs> <laughs> or they'd look cross. Yeah. You know, and if they're in a bed, they can't go away. They can't get anywhere. No, I always say that you have to really be considerate to someone in a bed because mm. they probably can't hit you and they can't run away. So, <laughs> <laughs> so they're very good teachers. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, when somebody drops something huge into the conversation mm. and then your response is not appropriate yeah but two things will happen that person will either get cross or they will withdraw from you yeah. and that was happening mm. and so a big part of being rock became if somebody is telling you something don't change what you're doing or how you appear in that moment mm. stay authentically you in that authentic moment mm. if that makes sense is that because they've felt they're able to share and they've shared? So actually, whatever you've been doing has been working. Normally, what you're doing is you're not putting too much pressure on them. And that's what I realised with active listening. If yeah. they're not expecting you to be a listener for them, then if you suddenly turn and really do all the active listening, suddenly you shift the expectations around that scenario mm. and they that's can feel super vulnerable. And then they'll withdraw because suddenly you're not being authentic in the moment. You're mm. being a listener. You're doing listening. Yeah. And being rock isn't about doing listening. Being rock is about being alongside someone so they feel heard. And mm. how we enable that is by offering our presence and getting ourselves out of the way. So is that how you would sum up being rock in, in a nutshell, so to speak, of... Being, being, being alongside yeah. and getting yourself out of the way. Yes. 
Okay. And also, you know, rocks aren't perfect. I'm not saying, you know, be pebble. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, rocks aren't perfect, but, but you've yeah. been worn by life, you know. Mm. And the reason that person is sharing with you is they see you as somebody who's safe. Mm. Even, you know, strangers sometimes share with us on the train or something, but they've already read your body language and you look yeah. safe. Yeah. safe enough to share and I find that really really intriguing so you know they're seeing you as someone they can bash and crash against and trust that you'll hold it for them mm. Mm. but that's why I use the analogy of rock we don't need to be perfect we just need to show up yeah and that sense of safety is going to be different for every different person yeah so yeah. so for me I would imagine that once you understand being rock in more detail then you can make safe spaces for more people than you might otherwise naturally yes or find a way to in the way that you then learn how to be alongside and respond then at the very least even if they don't then further open up to you hopefully they'll go away feeling heard they'll yeah. say that person heard me I know they heard me or yeah. they might even feel that unconsciously yeah, that thing of you talking about opening up is when we get in the way we want them to open up when actually that's about us not about their need isn't it so often we want to show that we understand and so we end up telling our own story yeah and that's us getting in the way and actually probably makes them then feel further away exactly and you know the whole thing about being heard is in order to hear someone they have to know that you're not going to over talk them and I, I had to get rid of the word in my head about being helpful. You know, I wasn't there to help. I was there to support. Mm. And if supporting someone was, you know, finding their TV remote, then that was my role. Mm. And if supporting someone while well, they told a really important life story or shared something traumatic, mm. my job was just to be there with them. So mm. they felt witnessed. Yeah. That fascinates me because often we say, can I help you or I want to be of help or something. And it's such a loaded word because it comes with all our own expectations. What we think that means, but actually it's not what that person actually needs in that moment. It's like they uh -huh. may have a kitchen that's absolute state of mess and our need is that will help them. But actually all they need to do is for you to sit in a corner and sit next to them and actually just be with them. And that I think that's what fascinates me about being rock is getting ourselves out of the picture I think is so one of always, the hardest things always being led by the person not the yeah. other way you know we do live in a fix-it society mm. you know and if you just listen to your podcasts mm. you can't fix what those people have been through the no. only thing you can do is support them as they find a way through yeah you know? I think it's also about us as the listener learning to sit in the discomfort of ourselves of being present with that person so we don't end up in a toxic positivity where someone's potentially lying in bed and only has weeks to live and we're telling them it'll all be okay it's like the brain doesn't engage we're just this desperate need to try and fill the space uh -huh. and actually sometimes not filling it and just listening is absolutely the, the far better thing to do to remove us get used to discomfort sitting in discomfort and it being there for someone else that's why end of life was such a good good teaching platform for me you know six mm. years of hundreds of people I sat with mm. and they were all of them were my teachers they either taught me something about how to be alongside someone 
or they taught me something about myself <laughs> yeah which was <laughs> and, probably and the more the painful teaching. <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly. no it was it was the biggest teaching you know, <clears throat> that doesn't work what you just said then does not work mm. you know yeah um, exactly it reminds me of, I think I've told you this story before, but the Reverend Richard Coles tells the story of sitting with a man at end of life and saying prayers and talking deeply with him. And he, he motioned for him to come down to him and he put his head down thinking it was going to be some profound moment. And the man said, would you shut the fuck up? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and he yeah. had the grace to tell that story and to laugh about it. And it was a very, very good example of sometimes just get yourself out of it yeah leave it. absolutely yeah. and I think it's important to say to your listeners as well that although being rock came from end of life it's mm. definitely for all types of life you know I use it a lot with with my son I use it a lot in my friends and family relationships mm. because it works for all of us yeah. all of us are desperate to be heard never have we lived through a time where we mm. all need to be heard more than now yeah and if somebody responds in a way that Let's give an example. If you say something like, uh, I had COVID and I was poorly for three weeks. And they say, well, at least you weren't poorly for four. (laughs) You want to smack them in the head. (laughs) Indeed. So one of the things I've been practicing, still practicing, is to remove the words at least from my Mm. vocabulary. It's so damaging. Yeah. It just completely devalues what that person said, doesn't it? Yeah, so that's a very good example Mm. of what I call our default programming. Mm -hmm. So all of us will have these default programs of how to respond to a tricky situation. Mm. And you know that you've been defaulted by somebody because they'll come out with it really quickly. There's no thought process behind it. It literally is an automatic, running an automatic program. Mm. And the thing about that is once you realise that, you can be much kinder to people who've just defaulted you, um, but also much kinder to yourself when you Mm. do it because you Mm. realise, oh, there's the programming and it's the programming that you have to get over. Mm. Some of our defaults might be humour. Some of them might be buck up. Mm. Um, cheer up fix it I have a huge fix it gremlin on my shoulder Um, (laughs) you know whatever they are I'm not saying Mm. they're wrong necessarily in themselves what I would say is we have to be in control of them and them not in control of us Mm. because sometimes they will come out very inappropriately yeah and we don't mean to be cruel but they can be hurtful and I think it's also about people they, they think they're alongside you because it's like oh yes I, I've heard you and now I'm adding some extra information when they don't realize that it actually is taking away it, even at the moment with everything with COVID that I know I'm struggling at the moment I've just had it off and if everyone's like, oh yes but everyone's struggling it's like yeah but they are but I don't feel heard in that moment and that's the thing it's about being in that moment with that person and enabling them to feel heard that's mm. the role yeah I now say to myself oh rock moment and that just reminds me to be still because stillness is a really hard thing to learn and somebody said to me the other day oh does that mean you're detached and I said no it's very Mm. very present stillness which actually Mm. requires of you to be really in the moment Mm. but you're being in the moment not in a way where you're leading that moment Mm. so it's not your like here I am, Buddha, sitting here <laughs> listening to you. It's yeah. not like that at all. It's like, hopefully, they shouldn't notice you at all. Mm. So if you think of all the times that you've had the most epic conversations with people, when you've really poured your heart out to them, 
in an unprofessional situation, in just yeah. an everyday situation, you probably cannot quite remember what they said or what they mm. did. Mm. If, it, if it was really good, if that person was really being rock for you, mm. you probably wouldn't, wouldn't be able to say to me, well, I don't remember if, if she said anything. Mm. I can remember a volunteer mentoring me and this lady ranted at us and she kept it going for a fair old time. <laughs> and the volunteer said to me, I kept waiting for you to say something. And she said, you, you didn't. You just stayed with her. Mm. And I said, well, of course, you know, you needed to get that off her chest. So how do we do it? Well, the first one we've talked about a bit, which is presence. Mm -hmm. The second one is observing, which is around observing body language, but also how people speak when they are struggling then how do we respond because yep. that's going to make or break the connection the response and then empathy because I wasn't quite getting empathy right <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't getting any bit right to be <laughs> so talk us through those so yeah. go back to presence well we've talked about how important it is to be authentic and not to be doing listening but being yeah. alongside and a big part of that is that in unexpected listening presence tops eye contact mm -hmm. which okay. is quite a surprise isn't it because yeah. we all talk if you're listening make eye contact yeah in being rock it's different it's not make eye contact it's match eye contact mm, okay so if somebody is telling you something and they're very vulnerable and they're not looking at you then mm. i do not look at them i look down a bit mm. okay i don't look away from them but i keep my eyes down a little mm -hmm. bit to give them that space you talk about eye contact but is that also how your body is do you match yeah. body structure yeah as well? you want to be well not so much necessarily matching body language completely but you want to stay as you were yeah. so i you know i i was moving into body language of an active listener don't do that just stay so if you're sat there and they're pouring their heart out to you and you're sat there with your legs crossed and your arms folded because you're a bit cold don't use your body language to make a thing about it that for me is what's really standing out from what you said is that because it's unexpected whatever you were doing was working don't change it just stay in that position so Eye contact, we're going to match eye contact. So my rule is if they're not looking at you, they're not looking for a response from you. Yeah, okay. However, if they're ranting at you and looking at you, I would match eye contact because yeah. otherwise, if you look away from somebody who's really looking at you, they're not going to feel heard. So, so it's, it's matching eye contact. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and then the other part is to be comfortable with silence because quite often when people fall silent it's because they've gone into the recall part of their brain and they're trying to think about what they're going to say next and if mm. we speak over that they lose their train of thought mm. I'm just visualizing myself in those situations and thinking when I'm not looking at someone in addition to the tangible recall of the memory I'm also stepping into those emotions you're reliving it in a way that's then allowing you to express the difficulty, whatever it is that's come up. And somehow being able to tap into that makes it more powerful for me if I've been in those situations. Yeah. So that takes us from presence into observing. Yeah. And I found that people talked in two types of ways when they're really struggling. Mm -hmm. One is I call inward and one is outward. So inward is... Everything is on top of me. I'm going to have my head down, my eyes 
downcast, mm -hmm. my yeah. shoulders yeah. hunched. I'm coping with the situation by protecting myself and my body's curling up to do that. Yeah. And yeah. it's like, don't come near me pose, you mm -hmm. know. And I'm sure all of us would recognize that sort of really vulnerable body language where we just close in. Yeah. What's really interesting is then people also speak inward. Mm -hmm. They will do the same thing. They will hide what they're really troubled with between a load of other words so we don't spot it. Mm. Because they're trying to explore what's really on top of them, but they're inwards, so they're also trying to hide. Mm. And even children do this. I'll, I'll give you an everyday example. The teacher told me that I call it the drop. So someone will drop into the conversation what's bothering them, but hide it, sandwich it amongst some other statements. Um, and a little boy did this. He said, I had a lovely weekend with daddy. Mummy wasn't there, but daddy bought me loads of treats. Mm. Now he was eight. We do these drops all the time and we normally sandwich them or we just drop and then dismiss. Mm. So it might be really, really stressed at work. But everyone's in the same boat. You did yeah. a drop earlier. You yeah. said, you know, yeah. COVID's been shit for me, but then everybody's been shit for everyone. Yeah. Yeah. So big part of being rock, if you see their body language is inward, you're on cue now to listen out for how they're saying things and see mm. if you can see that drop. We normally hear what somebody says after the word but. We mm. need to start remembering what did they say just before mm. the word but. That's the thing they want to talk about. Yeah, that's a really, really good tip, isn't it? That but. So how do you listen? How do you get back to that point before the but? Um, practice. Mm. So watch out for drops all the time. Mm -hmm. See if you can spot them. And the more you practice, the more you begin to teach your brain to remember what somebody said before that word. Yeah. So my brain now goes, when I hear someone say but, my brain instantly goes... What did they just say? Well, then, you know, <laughs> yeah. and, and I, can, I can do the recall now. Yeah. But, but yeah, it's worth watching. That also must be incredibly powerful as a parent and as a teacher with children. Yeah. That reading between the lines often with kids who won't say something like you can see body language change, but they're not verbalizing it. It's like when you try and pull the child aside and say, look, what's going on? Something's not right. So it's like acute, acute listening to pick out those situations. And imagine that you're inward. If somebody asks you lots of questions, you can't answer those because you don't know where you are, no. especially children. Mm. So in terms of being rock for parents, don't ask them a question. Don't ask mm. what's the matter. Mm. I've tried to remove that one from my vocabulary as well. That's harder <laughs> to do. But yeah, you know, a child has mm. some face on them. The first thing we say is what's the matter? And they go, mm. nothing. Yeah. They don't know. No. So uh, being rock for that one would be reflect the emotion they're showing you mm. you look sad so um so that's inward and then yeah. outward is loud brashy loud you know mm. profanity mm. finger wagging big arms we know what yeah. Yeah. big body language looks like lots of eye contact the way people speak is the round they literally will dump a whole load of words at you. The secret to that is to weather the storm. Is that weather but not take it on board? Weather, yeah, because you're rock. So that's great because it can mm. wash over you. Yeah. <laughs> you say that like it's so easy. <laughs> it's so easy, yeah. <laughs> I think I'm, 
might need to carry a rock around in my pocket that I rub with my hands to remind myself. <laughs> I, I have a few mantras that I play in my head when I first started. So when somebody was, a family member was crying at the bedside and you know, like you well up. Yeah. somebody's crying so my mantra in my head would be going not my grief not my grief not my grief just to stop me joining yeah. in you know yeah, yeah. it's a time but full of yeah. loving at the bedside it's very inappropriate inappropriate yeah. it's like um, a, a priest leading a funeral sobbing as they go and yeah so when somebody's ranting at me I'll mm. say um in my head not about me mm. It's not mine. Yeah. They're using me as a rock to shed that, that stuff. I mean, if somebody is ranting at you and it is directed at you, that's a very different thing. Then yeah. you have to think, well, I either extricate myself yes. or I just weather it. I think that's a, a thing to consider, isn't it? That ranting about a, a subject is very different to ranting about something that they're accusing you of doing or behaving yeah. in a certain way and a lot of people will be impacted by something that's happened during their day and they want to have a great big rant about you know the person that mm. cut them up at the traffic lights or whatever so we have first of all we have we have presence and then we have observing the inward outward and yeah. the, the appropriate response to that what's the next so the next thing is that response to inward and outward so mm. if we do inward first because they're inward and feeling vulnerable we can't make our response very noticeable mm. because if we do, then they will clam up. Yeah. So with regard to the drop, all I do is I say the word of the drop, the most significant word or a couple of mm. words around what the drop is about. So that little boy, uh, mummy wasn't there. I just said, I would probably say something like she wasn't there. Mm. But I don't make a question of it. I don't say she wasn't there. Mm. I don't make a great big thing about it. I just reflect it in almost the same way as you go, uh-huh. Mm. It's that neutral and mm. don't make eye contact because then what you're doing, if you make very clear eye contact with someone while you do the reflection with your body language, you're taking them away from being inward. Yeah. You're shining a light. They don't want a light. They no. want to be in a cave. Yeah. 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 So it, it's just a, an affirmation that you've heard really what they've said. Exactly. Yeah. I've heard you. Mm. And then don't say anything else. Mm. That's where the silence comes in. Mm. Because you want them to realize deeply, often subconsciously, that you heard them. Mm. And if you carry on talking, they're just hear a load of words. Yeah. And is it enough to just go, uh-huh? What is that massive difference? Like I can get how it is an affirmation that you've heard, but if you don't do it, is it going to make them clam up? The danger with aha, uh -huh, we have to watch this, is that we start doing it a lot. Mm. And if you keep on doing it, uh-huh, oh yes, mm -hmm, then it can sound like you're not actually listening. Even you doing that, I could feel me starting to get irritated. It's like, yeah, <laughs> yeah uh -huh. it, it, it's just... It's like that automatic reaction stuff that comes out. I just proved my own point by asking <laughs> my body stuff. Really, really oh, God. I mean, none of this is rocket science. No. But it isn't easy to rethink the way that we respond to people yeah. and then make it natural. That, well, that took six years. Uh, and yeah, I, I, absolutely. Relearning natural things is quite hard. Yeah, yeah. Learning your programming mm. is quite hard. Mm. And then with the rant, what's interesting about rants is first, do not interrupt a rant. People who rant don't like that. 
they get quite cross. <laughs> and they're already cross. So that's not a good idea. <laughs> and then wait for them to come back to you. So I call it rant and return because people will let you know. They'll say something mm. like, oh, I didn't realise I was so obsessed about that. Or, God, I am a silly ass for yeah. ranting at you. I'm sorry. Or yeah. that sort of thing. Mm. And the moment that they do that, they're back with you. With the rant land, how do you acknowledge like when they get to that point, because if you're the listener, sometimes even just acknowledging it or confirming it, there's a fear that it might start it up again. Like, how do you, how do you, how do you hear it, but not extend it? I don't really do a lot. So once they do the rant and then return, I quite often breathe and sort of relax so that both of us, I, I kind of give them permission to sort of breathe, relax as well. And mm. then again, I don't leave the conversation. No. Because the problem is, once somebody's ranted and returned to you, and then you go straight into, oh, well, isn't the weather nice? You know? Yeah. <laughs> well done, it's, everything you've just achieved. Yeah, it's going to, yeah, going to piss them off. It's making yeah. me now think about every conversation I've had. I know, God, this is frustrating. <laughs> yeah. I'm thinking, oh, oh, was that a rant? Oh, she was very quiet then, was <laughs> Oh, did empathy then what's the next phase because if you've had a rant empathy can be quite hard everything's really hard and I think I hopefully have nailed one of the reasons why it's so hard <laughs> so empathy we tend to use for when somebody throws a very difficult statement at us mm-hmm. so uh think of some of your podcasts before if somebody said I've been in prison I've had a shit time with the menopause mm. um my son's an addict and if somebody says that to you your brain goes I don't know how to respond (laughs) and out comes the default that we talked about whatever your default is yeah it comes out and has a party and we've now killed the opportunity for empathy dead Mm, yeah and once you're on the back foot you're not going to get you can't rescue it you can't rescue it it's gone so first of all we're going to work on our defaults and then the second thing with empathy is we have to understand that we cannot say I know how you feel because you can't possibly know how they feel because you're not inside their head Mm. and also comparison of stories we think we're being very helpful Mm. but comparing somebody's story does not work so the example I use in all my training is just because it's such a good example is uh, somebody said to me three days after my mum died Mm -hmm. a friend of mine said I know how you feel because I lost my horse last year oh oh Oh, no oh no (laughs) (laughs) oh dear oh dear (laughs) super kind friend yeah lovely person just trying to do empathy just like I probably would have done empathy yeah you know before I realized doesn't work because you're comparing your stories Mm. what does work though is to compare the impact of what happened to both of us Mm. so if instead he had said I too have experienced grief Mm. and I know how tough that is yeah that's empathy because now we're talking about the impact that Mm. both our situations have had upon us Mm. without any I know how you feel or sharing your story or comparing your story it kills connection Mm. so a big part of empathy is kind of naming the elephant in the room yeah what's the elephant yeah in a world of 
toxic positivity, we're not encouraged to go into hard spaces. So everything has to be kind of lovely and wonderful. And I've learned over the years to actually, I mean, I guess it's probably, it is all this, but to listen what someone said and actually just see it. I mean, several years ago, there was a, a woman that we know who I met in our village gardens and I hadn't seen her in a long time. And she was with walking frame and she looked really physically immobile. And I went up to said, oh my God, what's, what's happened? And she said, blah, blah, blah. And then looked at me and I just said, I'm really sorry. That's just shit. And she went, yeah, and went, yeah, yeah, actually it's shit. And, and just me saying that I could feel the difference in my body with how I felt and how she responded. And it was a light bulb moment for me. And it wasn't me saying, oh dear, oh, well, I guess you, you'll get better or like life goes on or any of that crap. And now talking to you makes me think that's that I was doing what this is all about. Yeah, you were naming the elephant in the room and swearing, yeah. you know, is a really good way of doing that. Yeah. And it know. felt good. I could feel mm. how good it felt in my body because of yeah. how she responded. And it was clearly very different to how other people had been saying it, the way she kind of lunged at me. And then right in that moment, then she feels heard. Mm. And that's Ooh. what rock is all about. It's yeah. just enabling that moment of feeling heard. Mm. And it doesn't matter if you... You never see that person again, or they never talk to you about that thing they shared with you again, mm. because the, the role is to just be there for them in that moment, and then that moment will pass. Mm. Do you think that it's about, like, why do we not do that then? Why are we so afraid of just being with someone? Is it our own discomfort of not being able to cope with something being a bit difficult and we want everything to be happy. Is it because we're not encouraged to sit in the shit of things? I think partly it's because we all are really good at loving other people and we want everything to be okay for them and wrap them up in cotton wool and keep them safe. Mm. That's a big part of it. Mm. Um, there's another part of it where we're taught that it's a really good idea to offer people loads of solutions and mm. recommend stuff and that's how you support someone mm. um, well I don't know about you Kath but that really irritates me you know <laughs> if I have a really really tricky problem guarantee I've thought through probably every solution what I don't know is which solution is going to come up on top so if somebody says well have you thought of this I'm like, yes I blinking have because yeah. I'm not stupid yeah. but what I want you to do really is to let me talk so that I can find out which one of those solutions that I've yeah. thought about is probably the one I'm going to go for yeah you're allowing a space for some processing to happen by being a listener yeah yeah what about people who we see as being people who cope well all the time and who seem to have their shit together I, I remember talking with a friend once who was struggling and I asked her how she was we had this amazing conversation and she said to me you're the first person it was in like a year or something who'd asked me how I actually was and everyone else was trying to tell me all their solutions and all their things that would help how do we shift that in our head where we see someone who's capable and they're always coping and they're always wonderful how do we actually recognize that that bombshell that dropping that thing in is actually real. It's a significant thing that they actually need you to listen to. I think the thing is, it's not to make assumptions, isn't it? Mm. So if you hear somebody who's very capable doing a drop, reflect it, mm. because it might just be that they'll go, oh, gosh, you noticed. And mm. that just can transform a conversation. Mm. And also, if you reflect a drop, it can switch somebody from being inward to outward, be warned. Mm. they might be like a dam ready to burst and mm. if you reflect 
something, they might suddenly do this massive rant. But yeah. that's a good thing because it gets it off their chest. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I'm a perfect example of that. I remember not long after my father left, I was at work and I, <laughs> I asked the admin assistant if we had some different biscuits for the biscuit jar because there was only the plain ones and I wanted like the, the nice chocolate ones as you do. And the admin assistant said to me, your mother never taught you to do something with like it using up food or some comment. And, and I think she'd said it as a joke, but in my eyes, my mother was the perfect thing at that moment. And my father had left. And I remember I just tore straight into her. And I mean, you know me, I don't do that. And I just yeah. said, don't you dare tell me what my mother does or doesn't do. And I was shocked at my own behavior, but it absolutely triggered a moment that that she obviously wasn't and I wasn't expecting no and right there and then then she has to find the strength to say mm. gosh I'm really sorry I didn't I, yeah. I didn't mean to offend you you yeah. know yeah and, and um, she didn't know what was going on and I then opened up later but I and I felt awful but it was I shocked myself at the reaction and it, it just made me kind of be aware really in the future all of us will do things like that, Kath. All mm. of us will come out with stuff that when we're under pressure, we will use people that we see as safe. You probably saw as a safe person mm. to let that emotion out with. Yeah. Whereas I can guarantee that if you didn't know her very well or never met her before, you might not have. Yeah, so, that's true. We got on really well. and it just, There we go. Mm. You know that big thing that, you know, we, we take it out on those we love. Mm. Well, we use those we love as our rocks first and foremost, which I think is one of the things that most people are really struggling with COVID now is because we've been locked in with those we love. (laughs) And we've all been not been able to use other people for those situations. So Mm. it's a compliment in a really weird way. (laughs) When we do do that, I, you know, me included, I try not to feel really bad that I just lost it with somebody. Mm. I do try and reflect on why did I lose it with them where I wouldn't have lost it? Well, because I feel safe with them. Yeah. And although they probably don't feel it's much of a compliment. They're feeling less safe than they were before. (laughs) I actually think I should say to them afterwards, you know, I wouldn't have done that with anyone else. Yeah. And I'm sorry I took it out on you, but actually... Thank you so much, because I really needed to get it off my chest. So I'm learning to see the other side of the coin, if you see what I mean. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Have you worked with people of different backgrounds, different cultures and different ethnicities? Does it work in the same way? Well, that's a really interesting thing. Obviously, body language is a really tricky thing in Mm. terms of different cultures. So we're not so good with body language, reading other people's cultures. Also, there will be cultures where, like... The French, Mm. where, you know, if you have a dinner party in Britain, the British will probably let everyone speak, but we're all very, very good at letting everybody take turns. Mm. Whereas in the French culture, I've been talking to quite a few people from France, and they were saying, it's just a free-for-all. That's how it works. (laughs) Yeah. You know, and it's not insulting at all to talk Mm. over someone. Mm. I'm not sure how being rock works in different cultures, Mm. because if you've come from a culture where talking over someone is part of the culture, then demanding to be heard (laughs) is is quite usual. But I don't know. It's a really fascinating thing. But to... Austria the other day and she Mm. said oh no it works in Austria because we're very similar in the way that we might approach things yeah I'd be interested with I mean a lot of my listeners are expats and people living in other countries TCKs and immigrants and people all around the world so this is my challenge to you if you're listening please uh let me know say whether you think being rock 
would work and we can share it with Mandy. There's so many things that change when you're in a different cultural setting or even I imagine if you're with people who are neurodiverse who are going to respond yeah. differently as well. Yeah, um, yeah. But I guess even in that situation, it, it might be harder to read those circumstances than that body language, but it still comes back to mirroring what that person is doing. So what might be uncomfortable in your culture, if you're observing what they're all doing, it's like when in Rome, isn't it? It, it Yeah. Maybe that's what we do. And also it's not about us. That's, I think that's the biggest mm. thing. It's not about me. Mm. and I think that would probably work in any culture that's absolutely fascinating it's making me reflect on all kinds of conversations and things I've had over the years and I can feel myself squirming and feeling slightly uncomfortable <laughs> oh god you know I have done that and, and sometimes I hear stuff come out of my mouth and I think oh gosh there's one funny thing to share because I'm really interested in this around around the world actually mm-hmm. so we all have a tendency to upstage people when they're sharing their joy. It's yeah. another really programmed default. Yeah. Got to be really careful with that one because if you pop somebody's joy bubble that they're just sharing with you, that's so damaging. And it's normally comes with, if you say something like, I've just been backpacking in New Zealand and somebody says, oh, well, I, I went to New Zealand, then I went to Australia, and then actually it turned into a world trip and you say, oh, good. So please. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Uh, um, so around the UK, they're colloquial sort of terms, man. I think you and I talked about it, whether there was one mm. in Australia. So in Nottingham, somebody told me it's called black catting. So my cat is black and your cat. <laughs> yeah. And somebody in Manchester told me they call it pissing on your chips. <laughs> <laughs> I love that one. I absolutely love that one. Yeah, chips completely and utterly ruined. Exactly. Um, so, <laughs> so it is about bursting somebody's balloon, really, isn't it? You're yeah. right there in your moment of triumph and somebody <laughs> takes it away from you. So, yeah, I'd love to hear from your listeners. People of the world, tell us, what are those expressions? <laughs> there must be some. I mean, I know that Australian slang is particularly colourful, so there's got to be some out there. But also that moment when you're feeling like shit and you've just said how awful it is and then someone comes oh well when oh, yeah. I was ill it was <laughs> yeah yeah no that's the definitely same. black catting isn't it mm, same thing yeah. I do remember talking about someone that talked a lot about themselves and they did that kind of behavior and and language this person described them as a legend in his own lunchtime <laughs> which I <laughs> which I liked and I kind of think that that's kind of close but it's not quite but I really like that I thought that was... No, I like that. Too. I like that. Well, really that I think I'll claim that as the Australian version. There's a Monty Python thing about it it's called Two Sheds Jackson. So yeah. if you've got one shed, he's got two. So Mon- Monty Python did a sketch about it. So in our family, we call it Two Shedding. <laughs> I also wanted to ask you this might be a strange question, but are you able to use this on yourself? So in that moment when you're doing the poor me and you're you're not actually talking to anybody else it's just your own head ruminating and you're getting the whiny voice that's coming in that's doing poor me can you use this on yourself in the same way yeah so a big part of the book became how do I rock myself Ah. and because I burnt out had that menopausal life gap so then I had to turn it around could I be present for me and what do presents look like for me Mm. and not expect me to be Buddha but expect me to be authentically me so self-care for me is not trying desperately to meditate when I'm not feeling very 
great. It's yeah. about, can I manage a cup of tea and a biscuit? And then also, can I observe myself? Can I hear that my own drops and think, oh, wow, that's significant what mm. I just said and think about that. Mm. And then also be empathetic with myself, be kind to myself. That's you know? one of the hardest things though, isn't it? I think, yeah. I think it's sometimes easier to give other people empathy than ourselves. Yeah, but actually, you know, to take mm. a step back and think, wow, can I love myself regardless mm. of where I am? Mm. Yeah. And I think yeah. you've actually talked about self-nurture rather than self-care. Yeah, nurture, yeah, self-nurture rather than self-care. I prefer mm. that. I think it feels more achievable. It um, also feels more loving towards yourself. It's almost like how, as a parent, you would tuck your child self into bed. There's more layers to it that I like. Mm. Yes, and also it, it, it gives you the opportunity to actually hide under the duvet, where self-care <laughs> sounds like you have to go and go to the gym. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, true. <laughs> Which is good, but you know. Yeah, it's just not. It might yeah. be your self-care, but. And the other thing is, I think, um, knowing who's in your your rock pool. Mm. So who are your rocks? Yeah. Uh, and not to expect your friends to all be all things is mm. really important. So who, who are your buck up rocks that will make you laugh about yourself? Mm. Because there will be sometimes that you'll, you'll actually want to go to them. Yeah. Um, on who are the ones that will just be the listeners mm. and who are the ones that actually I call them your diamonds you know mm. who are the ones that just completely take yourself out, out of yourself take you down the pub and yeah. make you forget about everything because sometimes that's that's yeah. what you need you don't yeah. always need you know somebody to be alongside you in a listening role sometimes you need them to be alongside in a really really good fun role so that you mm. can actually switch your brain off from what you're going through yeah I think that's equally important that get complete yeah. shift of energy in your body. So you're just releasing some stuff. You're not holding that heaviness all the time. Yeah. It's a big thing, isn't it? To look at this. It is. It's massive. And I'm just thinking back around the people that I've spoken to in this series and some of the things that, that they've said and what the moments when they've had things said to them, people don't realize. And I hope that this series generally is sharing people's experiences and talking about what they're dealing with. Because if we make that comment, it's a one-off to us. This person has this every day or every part of their life. And I wanted to be able to show what people are living with and then finish with you and sum it all up and talk about, right, this is what you now know. How are you going to do it differently? How are we actually going to show up and how are we going to be rock for people, for our friends as well as family, but yeah. also all the people that we don't know so your your book where can people get a copy of your book it's um on amazon across the world so that's really great and it's on kindle too and it's just called being rock isn't it it's just called being rock by amanda priest fantastic so before we finish is there any last gems of wisdom or anything you'd like to share be kind to yourself we're all Mm. human and we're all just doing our best and i think showing up is more important than beating ourselves up hey we'll all have made mistakes like this everybody will be listening and going oh god (laughs) i said at least yesterday you know but so have i you Mm. know it's it's onward work absolutely yeah fantastic well thank you Thank you, thank, thank you, you, thank you. I, f- I feel like there's so much more I want to say, but I don't know what I want to say. It's triggering all these things. So, And that's a good thing. If it makes me yeah. think and reflect, and I hope it does with everybody else that, that's been listening and it's been very useful. And please, please go and buy the book because I think it'll really initiate some change in some people's lives to actually be there in ways that they didn't know that they could be. So it's all the wonderful way of moving forward to actually helping us all feel like we belong that little bit more which is 
exactly the purpose of this podcast so thank you all so much for listening and as this is the last episode for this series i look forward to seeing you all again in the new year don't worry it won't be very long i will be back we will be planning some more fantastic interviews and i look forward to being with you all in 2022 so thanks very much everyone you've been listening to drawn to a deeper story with kath Bruce.